We have women dressing up as small boys, a guy trying to kill children, and fairies. Broadway Breakdown is back with Peter Pan, so don't go away. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Broadway Breakdown. Oh, I I love this song. It's cute. It's so cute. I think when I was a kid, it was like my favorite. Because, obvious reasons. Yeah, because when you're a kid, it's a blast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Broadway Breakdown. We are sorry that we had to take a little bit of a break. There was some stuff going on. Schedules conflicted, but we're back. Uh, We're talking Peter Pan today, which was one of my favorite musicals growing up. I loved it so much. Mine too. You're Uh, not going to get any Peter Pan hate today. No, not today. Um, I am your host, Brianna Phipps. You can reach me at bphipps14 on Twitter and Instagram. And I am joined by the lovely Jackie B. One, two, three, Jackie B on all platforms. Um, So let's get right into it. It's funny when you said with (laughs) grown men trying to kill people. And I was like, yeah, because when I read the play... um, the the musical tones it down. It's still there. Where like Captain Hook's like, then I'll murder these children by baking a cake, and I'll murder these yeah. children. You know, there's multiple ways he's trying. Yeah, to murder and them. it's even more played up. Like people actually die. And it's not just. It's not just Peter. Yeah, it's people, like all of the boys. People actually die in the original play. Not not the boys, but uh, the the Tiger Lily's Native American tribe. There are members who die in the actual play, and the same thing with the pirates. And I was like, this. is rather dark yeah yeah i mean he was writing it kind of based off of like that childhood pirates versus indians type of like thing that every kid right. played and i mean in those playings like people did you didn't like no one like we all lived because it was a play like play pretend but i also think too you know like when you talk about the modern era you have you have with the advancement of psychology yeah. and things like that, you're like, maybe we shouldn't have people getting murdered, murdered. on stage <laughs> for a child's play, you know. I mean, that's thankfully they don't have that. Or if they, if people do die in the musical, like you're not really noticing it. I never noticed. It. No, they don't die in the musical. They do. Um, what I have here so you can see it. Um, this is the, it's a 1982 version compiled by two members of the Royal Shakespeare Company at the time. And um, he, I mean, when the play first show was, uh, came to life in 1904, um, it wasn't, you know, they just had their scripts, but it wasn't published mm-hmm. until like, I think 1928. And so you're talking about this huge time span before it's published. Plus, I, wasn't he kind of workshopping it as a play while he was writing it? Oh, yeah. He made so many. He, like, he kept revising and revising yeah, and revising yeah. and took out things and put things back in. So basically, this 1982 text that I have is um, an amalgamation of all kinds of different versions that he had. So they're cherry picking what they think are Well, since you the have the parts. original version, let's talk about some of those differences that are in that original version that we don't see in the musical or that we see in the musical that aren't there. Uh, one thing that stands out to me is the, the lagoon scene. So in the original play, also in, I saw 
I saw this phenomenal version um, done by a British company in 2010 where they did a, they had you in a tent and it was like a 360 projection in the tent to change the scenery. So that was really cool because it gave you kind of the technology that I think Jam Barry would have wanted to have. Yeah, that he just couldn't have. That he just couldn't have. So they started this touring company in Kensington Gardens and then I saw it when it came to the U.S. Um, But they had in the version I saw and in the original play, there's the mermaids scene, which um, in the musical, at least, uh, I can't remember from the the revival, but from mm-hmm. the original, the Mary Martin version that uh, that was the original, they have the tiger lily scene is in the forest, mm-hmm. and they have that, oh, what a beautiful lady song. Yeah. Um, and that scene happens in the mermaids lagoon, and Peter, like, thinks he's going to die, and he says to die would be an awfully big adventure. Yeah. And then eventually he cobbles some stuff together, and then... Which I always, away. like, relate, because, like, I grew up with Hook. Yeah. So he says that line there, and, like, it obviously wasn't in the Disney movie or in the play. Right. So it was... That's what I associate that line with, not with Peter Pan, but, like, with Hook. Yeah. It's a great line, actually. It it really is. It's, like, a great line, and it's not in the musical because it's a very dark line. Um, but they want right, to light it up a little bit. Yeah, but you're right. It's in Hook, which is a, kind of a dark movie, even though I really love that movie. I love that movie. It's yeah. great. I mean, it's lighthearted at the end. It's lighthearted at the end, but... Uh, but it is very dark. It is points. very dark because it's more about, like, what happens... Well, it is about what happens to the boy who doesn't grow up when he grows up, so, and it's kind of depressing. He's like a old curmudgeon. <laughs> the one thing that I could find, because I haven't... I mean, I think my parents read me the original book when I was a kid, but oh, I yeah, he wrote a book too. remember it completely, and I didn't have time to reread it, but um, online, the only thing I could really find that was completely different from the play to the musical was that they added J.M. Barry's additional ending, which he hadn't written when the play first premiered, which was Peter coming back. Right. The years spring later. cleaning thing where he comes yeah. back and sees and, Jane, which and is sees, Mary's daughter. Yeah, old Wendy and Yeah. Or Wendy's daughter. Mary's daughter. <laughs> Wendy's daughter. Um So that was um an ad detail, but it was something that J.M. Barry did write. Yeah. He just hadn't written it in time for the original production. Right. Like you said, he was consistently <laughs> changing things up. I actually, and Hook references that as well, where he's married to, he's either married to Wendy's granddaughter or her daughter. I forget which one it is. Or Mary, Wendy. Why don't you say <laughs> Mary? Like, I, don't I don't know why I'm thinking that. My mom is named Wendy after Wendy and Peter Pan, so it's very strange, strange for me to keep messing this up. Um but he's married because Wendy is like their grandmother or their great grandmother or something in Hook. So he is married to to Wendy's daughter he's, or granddaughter. Yeah, he's married to Wendy's granddaughter because it's Jane and then Moira. Ah, okay. In Hook, I think in the original text it's a different name, not Moira, but I'm not. I sure like that is. because it's like it it goes with the theme. I of, think it would have been a little too weird for him to marry her daughter. Like, I think there had to be a little bit more separation. Yeah, yeah. Plus, I mean, the fact that the play references, like, at least three people out, and then it just, in in the end of uh, this version, they say, like, this narrator says, and they keep coming back and back and back. Um, but it, it mentions Wendy and Jane and Moira. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that homage that Hook did. That Hook did. And the other thing <laughs> that Hook did that is uh, not usually i it's not in the musical and i don't think it's usually in most versions of the play is the 
they do do the fake food thing where mm-hmm. they pretend to eat food. Is that in the original play or not? It's it in is? the original play. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I had just thought that was something hooked it. So I like that. Yeah. I, I like finding out these things and noticing that they, the people that were making this film really did their research and yeah. like went to the original because that's fun for me. It was really exciting for me because I was like, oh, that's where Hook got it. <laughs> um, obviously, a noticeable different thing, too, between the original and the musical is the music. Right. Because there's music and that's something. <laughs> yes. Um, the music was written by Mark Moose. Charlap and Carolyn Lee, but apparently bombed on Broadway. So they had to bring in Jules uh, Jewel Stein and Betty Comden and Adolph Green because to kind of like pump up the thing. And they were they added the songs um, like Neverland, Wendy, Oh My Mysterious Lady, Ugga Wug, uh, Distant Melody, and Captain Hook's Waltz instead um, with others. But those were the noticeable ones. I like. Uh... I think the reason I like the musical is for nostalgia purposes, because when you're looking back, um, I grew up watching, obviously the Kathy Rigby version is amazing, but I grew up watching the Mary um, Martin, Mary taped, Martin one. So taped one from the 1960s. We had like a VHS thing that we taped off of um, NBC one year. I think in, I think they brought it back in 89, which is I think when my parents taped it. So it's also great to watch because you have all those great old commercials from 18, right, 1989. Right. Because in the what they did was they took the broadcast uh, from the the last broadcast they did on NBC from the 1960s mm-hmm. and they would just re-broadcast okay. it. Yeah. Um, well they filmed a live one but it was in black and white. And like I think the sound wasn't that great, and so then they refilmed it staged. Yes, which is the one yes. that now we see. Yes, and they but they also like I think edited some stuff out of it to make way for commercials. Right. Looking back on it, um, I realized that Wendy's voice is like as a singing voice is not that appealing to me as an adult. As a kid, I I loved it. I, I just I loved everybody, you know. But looking back, well, as it's an like adult, the same like, thing Ooh. that you like love it as a kid, and then you grow up and you watch it, and you're like. Tiger Lily's white with blonde hair. Right, right. Well, that, I mean, that is another thing that you just learn with um, knowing better about things, <laughs> I suppose. Uh, but as far as, like, the singing voice and some of those, like, magical moments that you're like, oh, this is not so magical, um, it's it's that same experience that Wendy has when Peter comes mm-hmm. back to do the spring cleaning and she's she's ever so much more than 20. Um <laughs> You're like, oh, I'm too old to enjoy certain things. Like in the 1960 version, Wendy's house is just like a cardboard piece of shit. And you're like, (laughs) oh, God, why was I so enthralled by that? And how do they all fit in it like a clown car? Because it was just fun. It was fun to watch them just like put it together on this stage. And um, the guy who played Hook, the he won. She uh, won a Tony, Mary Martin, was, obviously. Um, uh, Cyril Richard. Yes. Um, also won a Tony for playing Captain Hook. He's just phenomenal. He was just like he has that whole thing down pat, like that whole just the way he talks. I can't even describe what it is, but it just made Captain Hook Captain Hook. Right. I do because he was still kind of like feminine. Yes. Which is I mean, to me, that's that's part of the reason why people love Johnny Depp and Pirates Mm -hmm. It's like pirates are these kind of of rock stars. stars. Yeah. They're like these ambiguously gendered. They're like the David Bowie's of their time. Yeah. So I, I. I love that about him. And I love, you know what, um, I love having a woman play Peter Pan. This this version that I saw in 2010, I keep saying this, is like here so you can see it. Um, it's th- weird because someone asked me who doesn't know musicals, they said, 
why does a woman play Peter? Like, why isn't it a little boy? And I, I, I think my answer, and I don't know if it's correct, would be that when it first premiered, they didn't hire children as much. Yes, the, they didn't hire and children. And they couldn't hire a man to play it because his voice wouldn't work. Exactly. So at the time, they the parts were all played by adults because children weren't allowed to work past 9 p.m. Um, so when you're at a play, it goes past 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. So they had to, they cast adults in all the roles, which apparently J.M. Barry did not like. He wanted the parts children. to be actually played by children. Um, well, we I, watched Finding Neverland. I mean, I don't know how accurate Finding Neverland is to actual, his actual life, but, you know, he had that. He himself was Peter Pan. Like, even though he's yes. called uh, Freddie Highmore's character Peter Pan, like, he really was Peter Pan. Yes. He said uh, He said in his dedication um, for the published version of Peter Pan that Peter Pan was, like, an amalgamation of the Lowell and Davis boys, but it's understood that, like, him himself wanting to always, like, play with his imagination and whatnot mm-hmm. that he like he was more of a kid at heart than right anyone so it makes sense that he would still want these parts played by children because that's right what he identifies with and what he can visualize right but uh as a woman i have to say i always loved i mean the guy who played peter pan in the the 2010 version i saw like they they had um more true to life casting michael wasn't as young um but you know i would say people in their like teens early 20s yeah um, I, as much as I thought this guy's doing a good job, I still love having a woman play Peter Pan because there are so few, not, I mean, I guess it's getting better today, but women rarely get to play the super cool roles. Mm-hmm. And Peter Pan is like the ultimate super cool role. Right. Like he's, he's the hero. He gets to do all the cool things. Like everybody follows him around. He has his own fairy. And to have a woman play that role juxtaposed against like a traditional, like the traditional mother character of mm-hmm. Wendy is so nice to me. And I all, I mean, I just really love that as a woman, like seeing another woman get to, get to play that part so i always like that chamberry didn't but whatever (laughs) (laughs) um and then uh, apparently the guys who wrote this the guys who wrote the commentary on this version about what they were adapting they were like yes it's rather unsavory that you know you have the you have uh wendy and um peter as, when they're both women, they're kind of flirtatious with each other. Yeah, and I so, mean, some, like the musical kind of cuts out the flirtation a little more, right? Um, as well did the Disney film, but the original was very flirtatious, right? And I love that actually. Like that's how it's supposed to be. It's like she wants this. I mean, it's in the text. She wants this relationship with him. He, he's too young minded. He's to too young minded that. to want that. That's the great thing about Peter, though, is he has like these three women that all want him, and he's just oblivious. It's just so like life, right? Exactly. <laughs> and so I kind of like that. I kind of like the gender fuck of having a woman play that role and get to take that position. Um, whereas, of course, these like stodgy old British guys like thought it was unsavory. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we. We're hoping that we could have um, host Dakota here, who's joined us before. He actually was in the touring cast of this play as Michael, opposite Kathy Rigby, um, which must have been an amazing thing. Yes. And I would have loved to hear his stories, because I'm sure there was many, many stories. Um, so hopefully maybe he can like give us some <laughs> info later on about that. Um, the one thing he did say, though, is that playing Michael is a hard thing to do, because it's the first role that you can outgrow. Be- yeah. Because it's the when he got too tall, when he was getting taller than Kathy, like, 
they had to replace him. Yeah, that's tough. the other roles are like easier because they're older, so you're you accept right. them being tall. Right. But Michael's the baby. Right. And Kathy Rigby doesn't. I don't know how tall she is, she's but she does short. not appear to be very tall. No. I mean, she's a, <laughs> she was a gymnast. Right. No, gy- most gymnasts are not very tall. Which is one of the one of the great things that Kathy Rigby brought to that role was like she was a very acrobatic. So yes. you did believe that like she could go on these adventures, and or he could. Be when I saw Peter Pan. Um, live uh, at the Orpheum, I believe it was, in San Francisco, she was the one playing the role. Oh, nice. And so it was really cool to see all of these acrobatic tricks being put in. It also made me be like, oh, my God, I know her age, and she's doing all of this and singing at the same time. Like, what the hell? Uh, Tinkerbell, (laughs) the the woman who did... In Disneyland, they have, like, a zip line. And Tinkerbell, during the um, fireworks... She goes across the zip line. The original Tinkerbell was like a very old woman. Like I want to say probably in her 60s, 70s. So, it, and it's because she was a gymnast. Yeah. And so it's so impressive to me that you have these women who um, ages and getting them down. I love it. And it's like keeping them young almost. Yeah. When you're playing someone that's young. Plus Kathy Rigby in the version that's taped, I believe it's the version that's taped. The twins, I believe, are actually her daughters. Oh, that's nice. I love that. And Mary Martin's daughter played Wendy, or not Wendy, Wendy's maid in the 1950s. So I like that they, there's yeah, like this family like aspect family that keeps thing. happening. I love that. Um, let's talk about some of these sets and costume designs and the, acro- the aerobatics of all of this. Because you can't have a flying boy without him flying. Right. So we have to have this harness, which creates all these uh, different like hardships to go through because so many more things can go wrong. Right, right. But it is so cool being there and seeing like this person all of a sudden just like lift up into the air. Even I mean, even when you saw the 1960s version where you can still see the little like threads, yes. they're 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 better now at like making it a little less obvious. Um but there's still something really magical in that scene in the nursery when when he's saying, like, think happy thoughts. Because we all expect Peter to fly. You, not that not that you don't know the story and you don't expect the children to fly, but there's something so magical about that moment when Peter's like, think happy thoughts, and Michael... Uh, um, Christmas? Yeah, Michael says Christmas, and he flows right up into the air, and you're like, whoa! There's something <laughs> just magical about that moment. Even when I was re-watching it to, well, if you, to do this, and if you I was watch, like, oh! If you watch the Kathy Rigby version that's taped, um, or see, if I don't know if it's still touring, but if you see it when it does tour, they do now as well do, because she, she does the flying across the stage, right. but she also then goes off stage, gets changed, and comes out with a, a different harness that she can fly out over the audience. Nice. Which makes it even more thing, because I was in the um, the loge, mm-hmm. uh, which is the front of the balcony, and she like flew up to us. That is really cool. Which is the cool. first time I could tell how old she was. Unfortunately, that was the one drawback of it. But it was so cool because she goes and she like flings all this like pixie, pixie dust, dust glitter. That is really everywhere. cool. And it makes it like all the kids like you just see all these kids like just like, oh, my God, like they're so amazed. And it's like such a magical moment to like watch and to watch the other people watching. That's a moment that you can't get while watching television, no. which is something I love. Um, I did not love the 2014. Was it 2014? 2014. Yeah, yeah we're gonna we're gonna get to it. Oh my god, <laughs> we'll get into what a it. Mess. Um, but I love the fact that the sets too are pretty simple. Like they're they're intricate drawn, but they're not. You know, you're in a forest. Like you can't. I don't. I wouldn't want them to like try to make too much busyness on there. I think. 
for the time for the stage play, what I was reading in the stage directions is that you do have scenes thrown in here and there for elaborate set changes. So there's a there's a hint at the fact that the original sets for the time were like very elaborate and cumbersome. Mm-hmm. I think for the musical, um, and especially now that we have even more technology to be able to turn sets around yeah. instantly, um, the sets are beautiful and so like move like they move easily and they're functional. Yeah. I mean, I think my favorite set is the one where they're in Peter's like little lair, mm-hmm. and then there's the up above. Yeah. So you can see the people walking up above, like you actually are underground. Right. I think that was a really cool way that they did yeah. that. That is really, it is like really cool. There's a lot of opportunities for, and just like in this version where I saw the projector on the tent, there's a lot of opportunities for technology to make this mm-hmm. even cooler. Cool. And I think that at the time, um, and this is from, again, from reading footnotes in the play, um, that J.M. Barry felt, like, hampered by the technology of the time. Like, he couldn't... Do what he wanted do to do. Do all the things he imagined. Yeah. yeah. Make your imaginations bigger than what you could feasibly do. Right. Um, let's talk about some of the themes. So, obviously, we have being young at heart. Right. And not wanting to grow up. That, yes. like, now is called Peter Pan Syndrome. They've gotten a name put after right, it. Right, right. But it is something. It's something that, as a kid, it's it's unusual the way Peter Pan is. Because usually as a kid, all you want to do is grow up. Mm-hmm. Which is what's portrayed with, like, Wendy. Yes. Um, and then when you grow up, all you want to do is be a kid again. Right. Right. So it's 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 a different thing to have this, like, these people that are kids that decided already, I don't want to grow up. And I'm going to go into this land and I'm going to stay young forever and never have to deal with the hardships of life. Well, it's, I think, uh, again, somebody, I forgot who it was. It was one of the early critics. Um, British writer A.A. Gill said of Peter Pan, at the heart of the adventure, the swashbuckling is the saddest truth ever told, that we all grow up and that what we leave behind is more precious than what we gain. Um, that is not actually what I was looking for. <laughs> oh, no, here. The one I was looking for is right under it. George Bernard Shaw. Ostensibly a holiday entertainment for children, but really a play for grown-up people. So, I mean... Because it's a time for us to, like, reflect on what yeah, we've lost. It's, it's exciting for children, but it's obvious that an adult wrote it being, like, like looking fondly back and wistfully back on the past. And, of course, you have the... Um, you have the clock as in the crocodile as a symbol of time. Like, time being I was short. really about to hook, but like time slowly ticking away. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, he's the oldest person there, like and the, the crocodile so many, is after him. Yeah, there's so many metaphors in the play that when you're watching as a kid, you don't. Right. When you're watching grasp. as a kid, it's just fantastical, and then when you're watching <laughs> it as an adult, you're like, oh my god, this is depressing, and I do wish I was a child in Neverland. Like when you're a kid, he's afraid of the crocodile because it ate his hand. As right. an adult, you're like, he's afraid of the crocodile because he's afraid of dying. Right. Exactly. And especially like. Um, in Hook, like I'm, I keep referencing back to it. I know it's not what we're talking about, but like when they take no, it. stole it. Hey, but I now, but now it's all game. I can see underneath the wig. Yeah, is, uh, Dustin Hoffman's like almost bald, like thinned out gray yes. hair, and that's like every time I watch um, the musical or the films, like that's in my head. I'm like, that's what's underneath Hook's hat. He's really an old man who's like right. trying to pretend to be younger. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I, I love Hook for getting across that point. Not, I mean... It also makes me hate the fact that Hook didn't do well. I know! You're like, <laughs> come on! Give the guy a break! It was so good. <laughs> um, then we have 
the important. I think it's. Like, I, I would call Hook a cult classic, though, at this point. Oh I yeah, mean. definitely. Um, and then we also have. I wrote the importance of the parental role in a child's life because it is. Peter, like, they left the adults behind. They didn't want that. But then they're still trying to find a mother figure because they still need someone. Right. And then the fact that uh, Wendy eventually realizes, hey, we got to get back home. And she convinces the boys to come back with her. And she's like, my mother will be your mother. You know, Mm -hmm. there's that um, there's that that moment where they bring all the boys back and only Peter is Peter left. Stays. And I think part of the reason why he had Peter stay is because um, his brother died at a young age and he he stayed, essentially, he stayed that way forever because he was dead. I think, was, I mean, that might have been part of it. I think it's also, like, to show the stubbornness. Yes. Peter Pan is very stubborn. Right. Right. And because I feel like there has to be someone in Neverland. Yeah. There can't not be a child in Neverland. Right. Um, and then I also wrote love because there is a huge underlying of love, not as much in the musical, like we said, with like the flirtation, but there's the love of parents. There's the love of youth. There is the love of the fight. Like there's, you know, the, all, all these like childhood loves that are just so easy. Yes. My headphones keep coming My off. headphones keep slipping down my face. Um, I, I mean, the, the one that's most poignant to me is where how you have like Peter Pan as kind of this figure who doesn't realize that like Tinkerbell loves him and Tiger Lily loves, loves him, him and Wendy loves him. Um, and wh- what I also thought was interesting is they give lines to Tinkerbell. Like he actually wrote lines for her. So the person who's playing Peter Pan understands like what Tinkerbell said, even though like what we, we hear is just like ding, 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 you know um well i mean that goes to the thing that he understands fairies we don't understand them. right which i i like because you kind of get more you're like because you you can imply your own dialogue when you're watching it but it's really it's really fun to read it because you're like oh that's exactly what she's saying oh i really yeah. get this now which is what i hate about all these new tinkerbell movies <laughs> on disney where she talks and i know it's supposed to be that it's like we're in the fairy world so we're a fairy but i don't want her to talk tinkerbell doesn't talk she doesn't i well i i agree with you because i like as much as i love um julia roberts's tinkerbell and hook who actually talks um i i like the idea that peter has somehow mastered this fairy language Mm -hmm. so only he understands what she's saying and that she I, I love how Wendy just thinks fairies are like wonderful and whimsical, and, and in fact, like Tinkerbell's a very like complex person and is like jealous. Well, of I read her. that like in the original, it was written that Tinkerbell could only have one emotion at one time, or something like that. Oh, she can only feel one thing at one time. I could see that though. I could see that reading it. I could see that for sure. And that's why her emotions come off so strong. Yeah, it's because she's only feeling that one thing at that right. time. Right. Right. There's no like logic. That's just. I'm angry or I'm sad or I'm focused or whatever it is. Um, I also have to say he wrote a description of Tinkerbell, which again, we, um, they have a live in the, in the version in the tent that I saw, they have a live Tinkerbell, like an actual woman playing her. She doesn't say anything. Um, and she's covered in like Christmas lights. (laughs) It was very interesting. And, and she's tied, like she's flying. So she's like tied up to the, um, ropes and whatnot and flying around. But it, it was a little disconcerting because you're like, uh, I'm not sure why you like put this person here, like made them submit to these Christmas lights, but whatever. Um, it was interesting. And she's very acrobatic. 
But he wrote a description for Tinkerbell. So Tinkerbell looks like, from his description, looks like the Disney Tinkerbell okay. with the leaf and the little shoes, the little elf shoes. And the blonde hair. And the blonde hair. Um, well, he didn't really say blonde hair, but he just said, you know, she's very spelt with a with a leaf dress on. Um, which I thought was interesting because Tinkerbell is always... Portrayed as a light. Portrayed as a light. Even in this play. Like, it's... She was portrayed as a light. Like, it was an idea from... That he got from the Llewellyn Davis kids. I mean, yeah, and I think that you had to do something on... At least for stage presence because... It is going to be weird to see a full-grown person playing a fairy that's flying around. Like, to have something be small and stuff and to not have it look too cartoonish. Yeah. But I love that just for the cast, he was like, here, I'll give you a description so you understand what you're looking at. I thought that was brilliant. So let's get into some... We've already talked about the Mary Martin and Kathy Rigby ones. Um... But let's get into some of these other films. Like, I'm not going to get all of them because there's been so many oh films. Oh my gosh, yeah, there's the Disney cartoon version. But let's talk about the 2014 live oh action version with Christopher Walken and Allison Williams. Christopher Walken, I feel bad because I like Christopher Walken as an actor. And, like, he plays, like, he would play a good pirate. I just, him as Captain The problem Hook with Christopher Walken... Was not right to me. Even though he is a good actor, is he's so recognizable yeah he has a very has distinctive very way distinct of talking look and talk yeah so when you're watching him you're not buying that it's hook it's yeah. just christopher walken dressed in you're like well this- okay we got some pirates you know <laughs> and I, i'm just like i don't understand why this is happening and, and like, his singing and was singing, not that yeah, great the singing was, and, and i mean i know people that loved the peter pan one i I couldn't love it because it represented everything for me that I did love, and it took it away. Like, Allison Williams, she didn't do a bad job necessarily, but for me, she didn't play the part uh, with confidence. She seemed, like, nervous the entire time, and maybe she just was because it was live, but for me, Peter Pan is, like, that ultimate confident person. Right. And, you know, he sings a whole song about how much, like, he loves himself and how great he is and stuff, and I just didn't buy it from her. This was one and of like the times her flying we, and her yeah. sword fighting was like, I'm flying. Yeah. Oh, please don't let anything happen. This like, is one of those times, again, where, and we've talked about this here, where they do stunt casting for the live show and they're like, she's on Girls. Watch her be now on live television flying across the air. And I'm like, you know, just, just cast a person who is a veteran um, Broadway actor who is comfortable flying and being on stage and yeah. doing stunts. Like, because. With her, like like I said, like her voice wasn't even like that bad. Was it Mary Martin? No. Was it bad? No. But it, she just didn't portray Peter to me. She wasn't Peter. It was so like it was just uncomfortable. I mean, watching some of the her. other people were great in it. I loved the the woman who played Wendy. I thought she was excellent. And I think um, the guy who played Smee, I loved. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just overall, it was just a little underwhelming. And the sets they tried, they just tried too much with the sets. Like it was. I don't like so much. I, I don't know. Like, I just wanted something a little simpler. And, like, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I grew up with the Mary Martin one, like you did. And I was just like, why can't we just do this? Why can't we just, like, put them on a stage and film them? Why do we have to have these, like, sets that we're switching out and around? Yeah. And, I I, that didn't bother me so much as, uh, as what's her bucket, Alice Williams, um, as Peter Pan. It was so uncomfortable that I actually, like, was switching 
channels. So like the moment she got way too uncomfortable for me, I would be like, oh, God, I got to take a break. And then I would switch back in. So I can't honestly say that I've like watched the whole thing faithfully through because it was that painful. Yeah, I did watch it. And then there, and I was just at the end of it. I was like, I can't believe I watched. Right, you're like, now I want like what, like with commercials, I think I three went, hours of my I life. I think back. I went um, after I watched it. I went and watched the Kathy Ripley one online just, just so I could like. You're like palate be happy. cleanser, palate cleanser. <laughs> um, and then let's talk about the Disney film. Let's get away from this subject of Elsa Williams and Chris. The cartoon, Walken. you mean? Yes. Yeah. Because they, who did the version with Jason Isaacs as Hook? It was a Jason. Two, was, there, was, that, was that the one that it was a live action was version? The guy, the guy that played um, Lucius Malfoy. Yeah, Jason Isaacs. That's him. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know the actor's name. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I don't know who did that one. The one with the, or, the one with me and my friends one? always called it was in Disney. We oh. call it the orgasmic kiss because when when he kisses him, he like shoots into the air. Yeah. Um, no, I don't. It wasn't Disney. I think Disney's only ever done their cartoon version that one was super dark it was a little too dark for me and i didn't like the kid who played peter pan i mean i obviously have this love for the cartoon because i grew up with it yeah the cartoon you know the cartoon um obviously disney's been banking on this cartoon for a long time because they've been making 800 like tinkerbell things afterwards and now tinkerbell has like an island full of fairy friends and whatnot it's funny that tinkerbell is the iconic one from that entire film like, that's right. the one everyone takes away. Right. Everyone's like, that angry, cute little fairy. It's because well, she's it, wearing the skimpiest outfit. That's what, it, it was, that's what the girls want Well, <laughs> you know what? It, it, it is fun because in a cartoon, you were able to imagine Tinkerbell as, like, a fairy of that, uh, like, of the appropriate size, you know, whatnot. Because you run into this thing where... And she had all either, that attitude. Yeah. Yeah, she was always like, mm. Yeah. Was it? She's and, spunky. And I, I love the drawings of it. I, I think the, the drawings uh, just, were so beautiful. It's like, just like a fun, lighthearted kid film. Like, yeah, they took out some of the other, like the darkness and the love and right all those kind of things. But I think you still got the point yes. of the entire thing. And and, and even the, all the female characters, maybe that's why I love it too, is like the female characters are all... I mean, they're in a time period where they're supposed to, like, obey, and none of them are obeying. Right, right. I do like that. I, I The only thing that I, I wouldn't say don't like, but I wish Hook was a little bit more, like, drawn in less of a villain way and drawn in more of a kind of, like, fop debonair, debonair kind of way. Especially when you go to, uh, to Disney and you have this, like, giant head on this tiny body when you have the the people in the character mask of hook you're like this is so disconcerting and i feel like he should be like charming but he's not he's a styrofoam head and it's very very upsetting uh the one thing i was going to say about the 2014 one which i forgot that was also the only version that didn't have the dad and hook being played by the same person yeah i don't like that which i didn't like i mean there's a point that there's a point that they're making yes yeah and they just Boop. Yeah, I don't like but, that either. So I wanted to mention that really fast. Um, but back to the cartoon. Um, I love Smee in the cartoon. Oh my gosh, how classic Smee is that, though? Because every time I think of Smee, now when you do different versions, like no one says that Smee should be wearing like striped pants and a and have glasses and have like a little orange hat on or whatever. But that's how we picture him. I just him. love how absent-minded he is, too. Yes. He's just, you know, talking. 
and thinks he like cut off his head and is crying for it. Like he's just like this dotiful servant to Captain Hook, even though Captain Hook's terrible to him. Right. He's like the Gaston LeFou thing. Like it's the whole same thing. Disney likes to do that. Um, But I mean, this one was written for them, so they didn't have to worry about it. But it it's just like that that level of like I'm gonna be loyal to you no matter how you treat me or what you do. Right. Right. I, I also love the crocodile in that one because you can be really animated with the crocodile. And I mean, and you know, the version I saw had a had a very elaborate puppet and you can have you can have all sorts of things to represent say, the crocodile. Yeah, but it's really that exciting. Like that the, crocodile is really musical, well animated. At least in the Mary Martin musical, I'm trying to remember what the Kathy Ruby one looked like. Um, the crocodile. It was, was that guy crawling the crocodile on the was ground. Like the thing like that this. took me out of it the most. I was like, are we scared of this? But I love I love the Mary Martin version in the same way that I love the Donny Osmond Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat, where you, you kind of realize that the staging is super cheesy and ridiculous, but there's something almost like cult classic-y whimsical about, about it. it. Like, I just love that some poor... No, I mean, I still love it. It's just like, I'm just... I just remember being a kid and I was like, I'm not afraid of that crocodile. Yeah, that some poor actor is like crawling across the stage with this his arms what I'm like sticking for. out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I also love the, like, the people who play the different beasts. Like, you have like the birds and they're, they're all like jaunty and exciting. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and have us pull up the video of the Tony Awards now. Um, while we're doing getting that up, I'm going to go ahead and read off what was won what year, because this has been revived many times. So the original was 1955 for the musical. Um, it won the Best Performance for Leading Actress for Mary Martin, Best Performance for a Featured Actor for Cyril Richard, and Best Stage Technician. And then in 1980, it was nominated for Best Revival and nominated for Best Leading Actress for Sandy Duncan, who's also a great Peter Pan. Um, 1991, it was nominated for Best Revival and Best leading actress for Kathy Rigby, and then in 1999 for Best Revival. It's never won since the original. This is what I mean, though, about having women play Peter Pan. You have women get nominated in these, like, leading roles that they might not get nominated in if they were not playing Peter Pan. It's it's also just, like, how few people have played it. Yeah. So this is the Kathy Rigby one because it had the best... um, visual quality and audio quality. And there is something that you get with Kathy Rigby, like we said before, because of her gymnast background, that you don't get with the other Peter Pan. Oh, yeah. She just, like, tumbles for no reason sometimes. You're like, this is really phenomenal. I love her also, her little wrist cuffs. Yes. Part of me wonders if they serve some sort of like function because she's a gymnast. If like she needs them the for something, you know, like as a wrist guard. Maybe I never thought about it like that. But when I did gymnastics, we did wear wrist guards. That's what I thought about it when she did the tumble because I was like, I wonder if this helps her. It's like support. Yeah. I just think of like being the kids in this scene. All you like, just, just keep like saying random stuff in yes. between her singing. I also just felt bad for the kids. Like, I never wanted to be any of the kids, because all they get to do is, like, sit there and move their feet in one position while they're in the air. She gets to have so much fun. I 
know, but still, like, I, I would take, I would take one of the kid roles if men. Like, no, I'd want to be Peter because I would want to like go and like be like spinning around on a string, and you'll see, like we'll see that in a second when they get to the sky part. But she I'm just kind of, I would, would want to be if I had to be any of the kids, I would probably want to be John because he gets a top hat <laughs> and slippers. But Michael gets a teddy bear. I Michael agree. does get a teddy bear. I want a top hat. See, top hats are cool. I would just steal the teddy bear and the top hat. That's the moment that makes me smile when Michael's like, "Wee." Uh, fun fact in the script uh, a lot of the stage directions are Michael is in the corner doing something dumb with a teddy bear <laughs> and I'm kind of paraphrasing but kind of not because those are essentially what the stage directions are see this right here coming up is why I would want to play Peter it's like okay so they go up and then she just is like zooming around right <laughs> like look how much fun that looks right. like and they're all in a static line they're just like, wee, and she's like, yeah, I'm going to go over here. But I feel like someone has to hold no, Michael's hand because the actor is probably like six or seven. And No, I know. Yeah. But like, look how much fun she's having. I know. She's like superwoman. Look at this. <laughs> she's just she's just like, I'm over here now. I'm going to do this now. Woo. Yeah, you're still in the same spot. And she's just like yelling, yeah, as she goes by. That is one of the one of the fun parts in the Disney animated movie is when they fly over London. Yeah, and you get that great yeah. same feel of like Big Ben and all that. Also, it's a classic. And this, is, this is what I was talking about when she flies out into the audience. She does this. That is really cool. Yeah, in the show, at the end when she does her um, bow. So cool. It's and you just don't expect it. Like if you didn't know it was coming, you just don't expect it at all for her to come. Right. Like, if you're in the orchestra, like above you. It's like the same thing like when I watched the um, Aladdin musical that's no longer there, unfortunately, at Disneyland, um, and Aladdin and Jasmine are flying on the carpet above you. You're just like, what? That is really cool. I never saw that version at Disneyland. Oh, it was so great. I was was so sad when they got rid of it. I mean, I heard the Frozen one's good, too. I just, I've never seen it, so I can't weigh in. Um, we are running out of time, so let's get to Broadway news. Oh, really which, quick, oh. I just want to say, if you guys have never seen the musical Peter and the Starcatchers, which is a prequel to Peter Pan, oh. uh, I saw it a couple years ago, uh, and where did I see it? Solvang, which is like near Santa Barbara. So random, but um, it's really, really wonderful. I enjoyed it immensely, and I know there's a book. I haven't read the book yet, but... If you guys ever get a chance, chance to, to see that, check it out. Yeah. Um, the only piece of Broadway news that I have for this week, and I think Jackie was the same one, is that Kevin Spacey is going to be uh, hosting the Tony Awards this year, which I am actually really excited about. I love Kevin Spacey. I'm excited about that too. And when they were having that last minute, like, who's hosting the Tonys? We don't know. It's getting down to the wire. Kevin Spacey seemed like a good like pull it out of your butt last minute pick. <laughs> I was like, yeah, if you're gonna pull if you're gonna pull a, an actor out of nowhere, it might as well be Kevin Spacey. And Kevin Spacey has that great dry humor, which I love. Yes. So I think that'll play off really well. Plus, for anyone that's like, can he sing? He played Bobby Darren in this film. I think it's just called Bobby Darren or called Bobby. Um, and he sang all of Bobby Darren's songs himself, so he can. So. I'm just I'm it'll super, be fine. I'm super excited <laughs> about that. Yeah, I think that's going to be a great choice, and it's good to have it. Like, I feel like we've had so much of, you know, we've had Neil Patrick Harris, who's great, but we've had him so much, and then we had um, he's he was slowly becoming the Tonys, and we were like, <laughs> we get it, we get it. Neil Patrick so Harris is amazing. It's fun to have someone too that you're just not associating with Broadway at all, even though he does 
do That's Broadway. where it came from. I know yeah. it is, but people don't think, like, they just think right. House of Cards. And right. um, that other one that he was in before House of Cards, I can't think of. Um, but, like, that's what people think of when they think Kevin Spacey. They don't necessarily think Broadway. So it's great to have someone come that that's where he got his roots and come back to it and do this right. years later when people aren't even associating him with it anymore. Right, right. So it's going to be, I think it'll be a fun Tony Oh, Wars. I'm excited. I'm super <laughs> excited. Um, anything else you want to add before we end the show, Jackie? Uh Jesus Christ Superstar is next week. Yes. I won't be here, but Brianna will be hosting it, and we'll have a lot of other guest hosts that yes. are phenomenal. That love the show that so love much. The show. So many people are so Jr. excited. Yeah. I'm um, so excited. Yeah, so we're going to be doing that for the next uh, two weeks. We were hoping to have it, like I said, closer to Easter, but things happened. Um, yeah, and so you can find you where, Jackie? One, two, three, Jackie B on all platforms and on the RuPaul's Drag Race after show in two hours. And you guys can find me at BFIPS14 on Instagram and Twitter, BFIPS1214 on Snapchat. Also at the Speechless After Show Wednesdays at 7 p.m. here on AfterBuzz TV. And make sure you guys follow us on Broadway Be Down on uh, Twitter. We have a Facebook page. And also make sure you subscribe to Popcorn Talk and get all the news and updates. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Mm-hmm. Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network. We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.